All right. Thank you again for joining us here on The Freed Thinker. Uh, this is part three of a review of the Tim Stratton and James White showdown. Uh, just like the last two episodes, I am joined uh, here by my friends Colton Carlson and Vince the Fake Greg Bonson. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for coming back on. I appreciate uh, the insights that you all give here. Uh, for those who have not watched the prior two episodes in this, I don't know, series, sounds too formal, in this set of uh, videos that we're reviewing the, the this debate, uh, head on back to the back catalog. You can see uh, part one where we go through the Tim's opening statement. Part two, we start the cross-examination, got through their initial rebuttals uh, and Tim Stratton's first part of the cross-examination. And now we're going to jump in uh, with uh, with James White's first cross examination, and we'll see how much we get through. Uh, for those who um, you, you found us and you live under a rock and you don't know who we are, uh, the three of us are largely on the James White side theologically, uh, but we are going to try to be as uh, as even handed in our criticisms as possible, since uh, I don't think either of us love either side of this debate. So um, we will see. Any any comments before we jump in, gentlemen? No. That's it. All right. Let me share. Uh, and then if uh, if you can hear it, just give me a thumbs up. It's I know it's going to be a little bit quiet, but I have the, the volume pretty much maxed out. Uh, we'll go from there. And then if you have a comment, Colton, as always, raise your hand. Vincent, blurt it out, my friend. Thanks. Let's see where we go. Uh, and then for those listening, uh, we are 1.5 speed. So if they sound like chipmunks, sorry, not sorry. We don't want this video to be, you know, 30 hours long. All right. Tim, I'd like you to uh, take That's good. because this is a debate on is Molinism biblical? And I would like to ask you some questions about some of the texts that we have been looking at and get your response to them. Could you uh, look with me at John chapter six, please? And could you explain to me in light of, well, I, I suppose I need to ask you a question. You have not this evening, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have not this evening ever used the phrase true subjunctive condition, am I right? That's, that's correct. Do you accept or reject that terminology used by William Lane Craig? I don't reject it, but I typically use CCFs, uh, counterfactuals, creaturely freedom. Okay. Would you, uh, would you, is it your position that, that those are the same thing? Uh, God clearly in scripture uh, demonstrate that he has knowledge of counterfactuals, of creature, of, at least he possesses counterfactual knowledge, and it's what seems to be a creaturely freedom. So do you, do you have a problem with Bill Craig's assertion that these true subjunctive conditionals delimit God's decree? When has knowledge ever delimited anybody? Knowledge is power. And you can be ignorant and not know of what uh, might limit you. But saying that these true sub subjunctive conditionals no more limit God than saying God, an omnipotent God cannot do the logically impossible. Just because God doesn't have the power to create a fourth person of the Godhead, we don't say, oh no, God is delimited. He can't create a world. He's delimited okay. by this. Okay. I mean, I have thoughts. So I'm sure you guys have thoughts. What do you think? Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm like, I don't know, I'll just let you go first. I'm gonna save my thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll say this this is not, uh, you know, a refutation of anything, but would this be a James White debate if John Six wasn't mentioned? No, <laughs> I, I think it's a requirement for John for John Six. It, 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 it could be a debate on, you know, capitalism or something. John Six would come up. Um, yeah, so. I guess this, my, my first comment as far as just debate strategy is this is a weird strategy from White um, because it 
it it doesn't seem to be attacking. I, 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 maybe he's setting up a series of questions. I don't remember what comes last, so maybe maybe he's setting up a series of questions. But it seems like all he's doing is kind of uh, baiting him to say that he disagrees with Bill Craig. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a weird strategy to me. Yeah, and knowledge is power. That, that's such a weird line. It, yeah. I don't really know why, why. I mean, I know Stratton says himself that, you know, this isn't his best work. I mean, sure, we can grant his concession, but to say like, knowledge is power, I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems like to come out of left field. Uh, as us, we, we already known, we would all, all three agree that for the Molinists, we actually agree with the open theists here. If um, the open theist objection to Calvin, to Calvinism or really any non-Calvinist objection to Calvinism, it sticks, meaning if the author of evil charge sticks for Calvinism, then it would stick for Molinism as well. Like we would agree with that. Now, of course, we don't think it sticks, which means we would say to the Molinists, hey, join our camp. We already have the resources. We already have the answers. We've been dealing with this for decades, centuries. So you're just now joining the club. Right. All that to say this, the Calvinist would say the same thing. Well, let's just say uh, Stratton's right. Knowledge is power. Okay. Uh, middle knowledge is power. How is middle knowledge power when you would entail the, the very thought would entail that God is the author of evil? Other incompatibilists, non-Calvinists think that. So again, maybe it's just a quick thing. I know it's cross rebuttal, so I'm not going to pinpoint it too much. But to me, it's just kind of odd. It needs a lot more clarifying to just throw that out. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a weird response, um, <clears throat> and I, I I also think that he's um, he's kind of stepping in it a little bit because he is um, the way he describes this, and if I remember right, the the direction this is going to go is he is somewhat breaking from Molinistic metaphysics, right? Where, where they're going to say, well, um, well, let me back up. He's, he's effectively saying that something that is not feasible is not logically possible, right? Whereas yeah. Molinism, as far as I understand, it's going to say, well, I, I mean, it's not that a world in which, you know, John doesn't freely believe is logically impossible, it's just not feasible for they're going to create that wedge between something being logically impossible and something being infeasible. But Stratton here is saying, well, it doesn't, these things don't delimit God any more than, well, God can't create a married bachelor or a square circle. Um, but, but I'm going to come back and say, okay, well, well, God can't do those because those are logically, those are logically incoherent things. Right. So, so it, it seems that at that point you have to be saying that anything that's infeasible for God, for anything that's infeasible, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no feasible world that that just is identical then with an incoherent, logically impossible world. But then, then you'd have to describe what the logical, logical incoherence is. Yeah. Right. This just so this just runs afoul with the normal kind of metaphysic of, of feasibility. That most Molinists are going to want to want to play in. Also, I haven't heard that phrase since I was like in first grade. So, <laughs> knowledge is power. I mean, yes, I guess that's true. Uh, but I don't know. Kind of funny. Go, Joe. Uh, all right. 
that, that's fine, but the reality is, I'm just trying to find out if your Molinism is lesser than other people's Molinism, because there are all sorts of different takes and versions. Well, so you got my book. It's not mere Molinism, uh, which is different from I, a lot I, of I realize that, but, but, mere, but mere Molinism. Pause. Uh, it's not different. <laughs> it's not different at all. So he says mere Molinism. Hello. Melina is the one who came up with the two pillars. Middle knowledge affirms libertarian free creatures, counterfactual knowledge of libertarian free creatures. Okay, so middle knowledge just entails libertarian freedom. So I guess if you really wanted to put it in two pillars, you can, but one pillar entails the other. Yeah. So what is Molinism? I guess you could say it's the conjunction of middle knowledge and libertarian freedom. Sure, but or you could just say it's the claim that middle knowledge is true. And that itself entails libertarian freedom. But that was around since Molina's day. Now, the difference is, and I would only say that this is a difference, that Molina and other Molinists like Flint and Craig actually tried to defend how God knows CCFs. Whereas Stratton just says, oh, he's omnipotent. So therefore, of course he knows. He just knows. I guess it's not much different than Craig's brute facts, but at least Molina tried to do super comprehension. And that gets us, you know, somewhere um but that's the only difference other than that no sorry stratton they're the exact same and yes i have read your book multiple times actually no different yeah <laughs> it's just molinism so yeah i, I think maybe maybe and, and correct me if i'm wrong but i, I think where he's going is <clears throat> he doesn't want to in this debate commit himself to all of the metaphysical claims um, that other Molinists have had to, because Molinism is, is effectively, he won't like this, but Molinism is a theory in crisis, right? In, in order for it to become this competitive explanation for these other views, it has to be able to explain certain things. It has to be able to explain evil, election. Power, yeah. What's that? It has to have explanatory power. Right. And in order to do that, they've, they've, they've kind of had to create this, this, this uh, edifice around those two pillars to help it right so so now you're getting into things like trans world depravity um uh, and you're 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 getting into all of the and, and you're getting into okay well you know now god you're getting into these feasible worlds um and you're getting into subjunctives you know subjunctive conditionals right you, you need all this other stuff to make to kind of cash out and even have molinism even have the potential to be a competitive explanation um, compared to these other longstanding views, right? And and I take it that 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 Stratton is saying, well, you know, I I'm just defending this mere Molinism as opposed to this these other more complex views, right? So so I, I I take your point though, where at the core they're the same thing. You're not actually saying a different view. You're just talking about this core. But then but then I'm gonna you know I push back on Stratton on the other side and say, okay, but if you're just defending that mere Molinism then it doesn't actually gain you anything, right? Because you're you're now jettisoning the, the like everything that has had to be amended to mere Molinism to even give it any teeth. Well, the and I want to be fair because he's just going to say this. The only reason why he's making mere Molinism is because he wants to broaden the theological range. So he wants to be able to include some reformers, actually, like five pointers, not. I, I would say, and Villa knows I use this term, not to include hard Calvinists, but to include right. softies. 
So to include the five pointers instead of the actual reformed Orthodox who hold to the Westminster and yada, yada. Fair enough. I don't think it works. Neither right. does Bella. And I doubt Vincent uh, thinks the same. But as that aside, I would agree. It, it really doesn't do uh, much for him. That's the reason why he wants to make it mere. But ultimately, I just think it's it's a, a fool's errand, honestly, uh, because it's you're, you're forsaking all of the good stuff that has been, like you said, amended to Molinism over the years, over the centuries, in order to make it what it is. And that's why it's a good theory. Now, if you stripped all that back and just say, well, um, <laughs> uh, someone like Philip Swenson can be a Molinist too. Uh, no, that's not true. Um, right. Or you know us, uh, yeah. or that Stratton is, or, or that or that White is a Molinist, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. obviously, yeah. yeah, obviously he's a Molinist. Didn't you guys know that? Yeah, <laughs> like if like if it's stripped down that bare, it's then not Molinism anymore. It, it, it's not Molinism anymore, and it loses any of the distinctive teeth that it would have in the debates in the first yeah. place. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced, but you can go on. I just wanted to say that he says, I think it's quite ironic that he says this, uh, this is my specific flavor. And it's, I don't know. I just don't see how it's any different. It's probably worse, honestly, like you said, or suggested. Bonson? No, that's perfect. Uh, no comment. All right, moving on. Like, amazing. knowledge as its key element. And when I say delimiting God's creed, do you believe that middle knowledge is taken into consideration by God in determining what are and what are not possible or feasible worlds? If God created a being or a creature who could choose between two options, each compatible with its with his nature in a specific circumstance, then that means the antecedent conditions are insufficient or yeah, are insufficient to causally necessitate the creature's choice. Now, if the antecedent conditions are sufficient, then there is not two options, there is only one. So it's true, it's either true or false. That's why I kept saying if libertarian freedom is even possessed once, even if it's by Adam, even if it's by pre-fall Adam, if Adam had that libertarian freedom, what you call creaturely freedom. So if Adam has that freedom, um, then uh, God knows how Adam will choose within his creaturely or libertarian freedom. If God has the knowledge prior to the creation of the world, how Adam would freely choose. In the London Baptist Confession, I've never seen anything so clear, especially uh, going back centuries, so clear as to, to define what we mean today by libertarian freedom. If you affirm the London Baptist Confession, I mean, see, so you're shaking your head out there, but we as Molinists, we, we, we know what we mean by that. I've explained what we mean by that. And you can say, no, that's not what you mean by that. You've gone on for two minutes. Pause. It's not what they mean by that. Uh, <laughs> not even close. Again, I think we said this in the last video, but if you take the London Baptist or Westminster as a whole, no, you only get libertarian freedom out of that is if you isogete, like isogete the uh, author's intent just on one little um i think what he's pulling from like what uh chapter nine, three chapter three yeah uh, for adam adamson um, i think chapter three in either the london baptist or westminster clearly teaches the compatibilist project it, it's just clear as day and but there's i'm not gonna we said a lot of stuff in the last video so i don't want to belabor the point here but no it's not the same yeah um yeah and i, and I also thought about it too because uh, i mean flowers is in the audience with him uh, and Flowers and those people have spent, I don't know, I don't know how many hours on his channel. Too much time, yeah. Yes. So much time arguing against the the Westminster Confession and London Baptist and, and trying to and trying to you know exegete those passages and show why they're wrong because they affirm determinism. 
Well, actually, actually, I think he's borrowing this from Flowers because Flowers later on in his little career uh, started arguing. Look, look, have you have you read the confessions? Have you notice here it talks about the I forget the word. It's like necessity of nature or something like that. Look, Calvinism. They don't believe in Calvinism. That's determinism. It's like necessity. not by necessity of nature or something. But yeah, they grab moral necessity instead of metaphysical necessity. Exactly. They, they grab on that little phrase and they're like, look, libertarian freedom. It's right there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, I don't. I, I, I felt like I had something else to say, but I forget. I, I guess my question for you, for you all is, what do you what do you think about this whole thing of uh, about the the antecedent conditions and the necessity and the sufficiency, right? Because, like when I when I when I think about it, uh, I, I think he's talking about. I, I think he kind of equivocates about the couple different levels of, of necessity and contingency, right? Because I think we would all agree, if God decreed that there be water. In one sense, the decree is sufficient that there that there will necessarily be water. Like like it's a contingent necessity. There, 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 if God decrees there's water, there's going to be water. It cannot fail that there's going to be water. But the decree itself isn't sufficient that there's water. Right? You have to actually have the instantiation of oxygen, hydrogen, the covalent bonds. Right? So, so like, there there there's part of me that wants to say, well, I, I guess it depends on what you mean. Right. Is, is is the outcome guaranteed by the decree? Sure. But is the decree in itself sufficient for the outcome? Well, I mean, in yeah. one sense, yes. And in one sense, no. So he's, he's playing fast and loose with those different types of modalities. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I, I mean, we would agree that God decrees all things, uh, even if it's sin, it's decreed through a different mechanism so a deficient mechanism or a passive mechanism but yeah i would agree it's um i'm not sure maybe strand thinks of something like an absolute necessity and then yeah he's, maybe he's playing fast and loose with the necessity things i i i would just be willing to grant him that because um but i would say though i would push back and many anti-molinists have pushed back such as william hasker it's like, well, what do you mean by bring about? I mean, Stratton would say that God guarantees certain things, right? He guarantees uh, the whole world. So they just say weakly actualize. So if God weakly actualized the world, does that guarantee that Stratton and White are, you know, on that day actually debating about whether or not Molinism is biblical? Um, Stratton, I think, would say yes, because he affirms predestination, right? Yeah, he says so it depends on what you mean. What was that? Yeah, he, I mean, he's he, over and over in this debate. He said that he believes in he believes everything is predestined, right? He, so, he, yeah, he said, so related. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say he's so predestinary. He affirms double predestinary. He, you guys don't even get it. Yeah, he, he, he affirms the repro, reprobate, the double predestination. Yes, but he, as far as I can tell, he does. But he would still affirm libertarian free will in there. So. Because he just doesn't think, you know, he conflates causal determinism with uh, divine determinism. Um, yeah, and that's also another thing about this. It's like I, I can't gauge what he's actually trying to say well, here. Maybe Vela is onto something. Maybe he just conflates determinism simpliciter with absolute necessity. So then he thinks, like, if God brings about, like, Hasker's bring about argument, he thinks that if God brings it or weakly actualizes 
uh, a possible feasible world, which they have a debate on that day on whether or not Molinism is biblical, he is still libertarianly free. But to me, that's just a con that's just a conditional necessity. Yeah. If God brought brought it about, it would happen. Well, God brought it about, so guess what? It would happen. That's just what the Reformed Orthodox want to say. So yeah. You may want to say like, oh, no, you can't affirm that because maybe he's sliding in that Reformed Orthodox believe in absolute necessity. And if that's the case, well, then that's false. Yeah. And then I guess he would equivocate. I'm not sure. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it's just you know, now that I kind of think, I wonder if it's just the same type of modal collapse that that Quine pointed out that the, the open theists love. Right. <laughs> which is which is, you know, they, they 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 seem to think that, well, you know, necessarily, if God knows X and X will happen, God knows X. Therefore, they think it, it follows necessarily X will happen, right? But that's just that's just invalid, right? So yeah. it almost seems like he's saying, well, you know, um, uh, for him, he almost defines sufficiency that way. Like so, so necessarily, if God decrees X, the X will happen. God decrees X, therefore necessarily X will happen, right? He he almost thinks that that's that's what sufficiency is. Um, well, that's what the Calvinist is trying to do. They, well, that's what we're trying to do, right? So, so, but that's just Not that would sure. just be to commit that modal collapse fallacy, right? So, um, yeah, it's. I mean, I would just push back and say, I mean, it, in one sense, I, I would just I, I would just deny that determinism entails that all prior, all, you know, it, the, the initial prior condition is sufficient for the outcome. Right, because you have all these conditionals that are necessary for the outcome to happen. Right, that 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 act alone is is simply not sufficient for it. Um, yeah, I, I guess you could hold a dual. So other reformers, I think, like Scott Christensen, holds to a dual sufficiency. So we are a sufficient act, and also God is a sufficient act. We meet kind of simultaneously in eternity, or something like that. I don't know. I guess you could hold that instead of just putting the sufficiency back onto God and we don't have any sufficiency. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, at that point I would say, well, well God's decrees are, are necessary for the outcome. Um, and, and the outcome is, is, is unavoidable, but it's just, I, I don't know if I'd use sufficiency language then at that point. Anyways, uh, just thought. That's your time. Did God use this alleged middle knowledge in determining what worlds he could feasibly create? Now, I think this question is it, what White is getting at is basically to push Stratton and say, okay, you have middle knowledge. How does that play into creation, right? Is, is, is God, when God is deciding to decree this world and to create this world, is he, is he, is he selecting from all these different options that he, that he knows would happen? Um, or is he is he decreeing what what the world would be and what and what these possible because white's going to try to get and i think this is this is probably a good move white's going to try to to cash this out and show well it if god sees all these other options and then he decrees what's going to happen then it seems that these things are independently true apart from god yeah because he keeps going back to that one objection throughout yeah I think that's like the garden path that he's trying to lead Stratton down. Yes or no? That, that's, Did he limit what worlds he could create? That's, that's like saying that God. This is, okay, this so is not something that Bill Craig and I had to argue about. All right, but I was. You said. By the way, I think 
I think delimit was Bill Craig's term, if I remember yeah. the, the discussion right. And then and then White like latched onto it and kept saying it. Yeah, because I mean, obviously White's gonna he finds it extremely offensive. I mean, I guess understandably so. He finds yeah. it offensive that you know yeah. God can only decree the hand that is dealt to him, and that's William Lane Craig's words. And so to White, that's like delimiting God. How dare you? Um, and so I guess he's trying to go that route too, right? That's what it seems yeah. like. Yeah, I think so. Pretty much, yeah. Talk about it. Um, we did. Does God use his knowledge that he cannot create a fourth person of the Godhead That's not what I'm to the limit that he can't create that circumstance? But, but no, here, here is where he's trying to press him, right? He's trying to say, look, you have middle knowledge of all these logically possible worlds that God could create. And he picked one. And th this is where I pointed out Stratton is, is going to run afoul of the normal logical versus feasible distinction that most Molinists make. Because now the examples he's going to give for feasible are these logically incoherent things. Well, all it is is saying that God can't do the logically impossible. And no, that is, not. and Reformed theologians, which by the way, I, I am Reformed, by the way, and, and Reformed theology. Not, not yeah. this created world. <laughs> yeah. He's not reformed. He's not reformed <laughs> in this light. No, he's not reformed. Uh, don't say that when I'm trying to drink, Stratton. Yeah, <laughs> you're not reformed in the slightest. Um, now, of course, I think we're like let's just broaden the term reformed. Traditionally, in the literature, whether you're incompatibilist, non-Calvinist, Calvinist, compatibilist, reformed just is a blanket statement usually for Calvinism, for Calvinist, um, for those who hold to the Westminster, like. The reformed orthodox not just the five points but the westminster and the the reformed tradition now i guess you could be in a reformed arminian because arminians were technically historically part of the reformation um but again it's just kind of pincing out words there and it's just not exactly it's not not historically correct it's just uh could be slightly confusing so if that's what he means then maybe i could grant that but then again um I don't know if Molina was part of the Reformation, right? Uh, and so if Molinism wasn't even part of the Reformation, then in what way can you say that you're Reformed? Yeah. You don't hold to the five points. You reject the I on irresistible grace. I guess you would hold to the P, but so does half of other the Christianity, uh, unless you're like a classical Arminian. He denies so, the L. Yeah. And, uh, and the U. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't hold to the U. You don't hold to the L. I guess you could hold to the T and the P and that's it. And maybe even then it's broadly speaking. Oh, does that make you reformed a two point reformer? No, that's ridiculous. So ridiculous. What are you doing, Bonson? I don't know. I just completely, there's not much to say. Uh, yeah. Um, give late in time, you know, maybe he'll give up the T and, uh, these things will look more even. At he already the does give up the tea. Oh, if you okay. say that you can, this is not something like in, like I know this is a Stratton and White debate, but even Flowers, Provisionists, they've already given up the tea. Yeah. Bella would agree. If you can honestly say that you can believe in Christ by just recognizing that you're sinful and that you have, that God enables you and has given you that grace from birth. I mean, I'm broadly generalizing it. You just drop the T because the T says you can't recognize it. Why? Because recognizing is a good thing. Recognizing that you need help 
that you need, that you're guilty. That's a good thing. That's a righteous thing. Why? Yeah. Because God commands it. So if you can do that without specialized grace, then yeah, I would classify you as a Pelagian, maybe a semi-Pelagian if you, if I want to be nice, but <laughs> I'd still classify you as a Pelagian and yet incompatibilists agree. Daniel Speak, I believe O'Connor, Kevin Tempe, these are incompatibilists who say the same thing. Stump, so and we're not like just Calvinists being mean. Other non-Calvinists say this. Yeah, I mean you have a, you have other you have other Arminians that that have have basically started start the the you know the the whole like semi-Pelagianism. That's a Calvinist boogeyman, and then Eastern Orthodox saying started saying it, and then Lutheran started saying it, and then Arminians started saying it. Like there's there's a certain point where it's like, look, we all of us Christian we we're all over here agreeing with original sin and 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 some ver some concept of total depravity when the provisionists start denying original sin no and i would say that that, that they don't even affirm per perseverance of the saints they affirm some type of eternal security but that's not the same thing yeah uh, I would agree. Well, that's why i would say maybe eventually i don't know i don't think stratton identifies as a provisionist but maybe he'll come to accept the true no, key provisionism he identifies as a Molinist. He doesn't even have a soteriological system, as far as I can tell. He's just a Molinist, and he thinks that's good enough. Meh. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's, let's talk about it. I affirm election. I affirm pre-death. I affirm election. So do Arminians. So do open theists, right? So you don't affirm unconditional election. The nation. I affirm Predestination, not one of the, not one of the, the, the things. Arminians affirm predestination. I mean, if you're a Christian, you should affirm predestination. It's literally in the Bible. Yeah. So I don't understand. Sorry, I'm, I'm, wait, hold on. And he saved any person he chooses to save. God can force anybody into his presence that he wants. Oh. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> well, all it is is saying that God can't do the logically impossible. And no, that is, not. and reformed theologians, which by the way, I, I am reformed, by the way. And, and reform theology. Not in this great world. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good joke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I affirm election. I affirm predestination. I affirm monergism. Who chooses the God. So I'm reformed. Uh, I'm not going to affirm. <laughs> I'm going to list out these random. I, I mean, Arminians say that, say that they're monergists. Lutherans say that they're monergists. Catholics say that they're monergists. Like, not, none of the things that he listed are distinctive. Like, I, I, I have, I have from, uh, election, vaguely, uh, predestination, and monergism. Yeah. You could be a Catholic. <laughs> like, he, I, okay. Uh, and, and the fact that he thinks that that is what makes you reformed. But the worst thing is he was apparently a Calvinist like a decade ago, right? No. So I don't understand. What kind of Calvinist was he? Uh, it's almost like when Flower says, I was Calvinist for 30 years. And then he like so badly represents Calvinism. Mm. I'm like, really? Tell me more how you're a Calvinist. Yeah. What, Please. What, what I love is the open theist review of this debate, which just took this as complete like bootlicking of the like worst caliber just to fit in with the reform folk, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think most people see this for. Yeah. Yeah. Freely? Yes. Based upon what he knows they will do, or, or can he save any person he chooses to save? God can force anybody into his presence that he wants to. I didn't say force anyone into his presence he wants to. Okay. Well, God can. God, 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 God,
well, uh, which is true that no reform person would ever say that that, that God that, that God can force anyone to be saved. Yeah, like that's yeah, that's because they're afraid to. <laughs> scared. <laughs> scared. On the Baptist Confession. It certainly doesn't use the term. It doesn't, force. It doesn't, doesn't have force. No, I was like, oh, you know who did it? I think it was shit. I don't, again, coercion and force is not the term. Oh, let's, okay, okay, because you brought up the, the co coercion. But, and no more. First of all, you can tell right now, and it is his first debate, but you can tell he's getting frantic. He's getting kind of lost in his words and just kind of just, so he can't really handle the hot seat here. He did okay uh, when he, except for all the rants and the, the leading up to the questions during his cross-ex. Uh, but now it's he's getting very flustered and he's the sweat starting. So I feel for him. It was difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to watch all the way through, like without stopping. But he is getting flustered here for apparently. I, I don't even know why, which is just unfortunate. Yeah, it's definitely the, the, the jitters. It's hard. I mean, I, as someone who's done a lot of debates and a lot of public debates, sure. yeah, uh, especially for someone like like White, who's going to just, uh, you know, for, for as uh, you know. Stop. For as not as well as I think White did, yeah, he he's persistent. He just he doesn't let up, um, and I think that 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 the crack. So well, I mean, we I, I think we can chalk this section up to just first debate jitters. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Now a gun to the back of your head. What we talk about is God creating the antecedent conditions that are uh, sufficient to causally necessitate the effect. They're either man, but you're not. But you're not. Okay, let's get back to the question I'm trying to ask. Uh, this is sort of foundational. Before we get into the biblical stuff, I just need a simple answer. Are there worlds that God did not create because of his middle knowledge? How's, how's that? Is that, is that, is that a, sure, and I would say there are worlds that God didn't create because he can't create a fourth person of the Godhead or make atheism true. So, so, so again, he's, he's, he's completely doing away with the normal distinction between logical and feasible. That, that, that as far as I can tell, Molinism needs to, to work. Right. So, 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 because <clears throat> middle knowledge wouldn't be a thing if all of these other worlds are incoherent, they're logically incoherent, then there's nothing for God to like, God doesn't know what a square circle is. Yeah. He knows that the term square circle is a meaningless term. That's a mean, but it's not that God knows what this world is that has a square circle because it's incoherent. That's an incoherent world. Right. So what, what Stratton is saying, well, if all these other worlds are God, they're, 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 they're logically incoherent. It actually means that God has no knowledge of the, the true propositions in these worlds because these worlds are just incoherent worlds. Right. So middle knowledge just gets evacuated of any actual knowledge. Yeah. Right. It gets back, you know, backlogged back in the natural knowledge. Right. Which is not good for is a case. Yeah, he's he's killing one of the distinctions that Molinism needs to even start as a as a valid explanation or a competing explanation. And, and it's just weird how why to think that they're logically incoherent. It'd be hard to show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it like the, the, there's because you, you you know you can think of a world where it's like okay, like um, before before I came on, I was eating nacho cheese Doritos. Um, Right, Bonson gave me. I time. can testify. They're 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 right here. I'm not gonna put them on there because I don't want to, you know, flag for product promotion or anything. But uh, there, 
there's a possible world in 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 middle knowledge where I didn't choose those Doritos, right? Well, let's just say that that's not a feasible world for God to create. What's the logical contradiction about Tyler not choosing nacho cheese Doritos? Like it, it becomes it becomes there, there's no way to talk about how that's logically incoherent. Yeah, you'd have to have to invoke some weird Thomas gobbledygook where you know Tyler's like a non-Dorito entity or some sort. Right. It's just it just becomes uh, yeah. So I, I think he's I think he's really he's actually really doing a disservice to kind of more robust versions of Molinism at this point. The choices of men when they would accept Christ, the conditions do you believe that God knows what conditions to put someone into so that they would freely accept Christ? Yes. Does that involve regeneration or does it result in regeneration? It results in regeneration, if I'm understanding. Okay, you. so God knows what position, what God, God does all the work in regeneration. Okay, God knows what context to put individuals into who are unregenerate, whereby they will accept Christ. Uh, no, I believe that the Holy Spirit uh, has to work. No one comes to God. No one seeks God. No, no, not one. God does all the work. He does all the drawing. He does all the work. I'm a monergist. Um, I'm, and a monergist. I, I'm a monergist. Uh, any I don't understand how he can do all the work when he doesn't choose the worlds in which he can actualize. Does that make sense? So, like, there could be a world. I mean, as far as I'm reading the Molinistic literature correctly, there could be a world in which no one chooses Christ. Like, isn't that like a possible world? I mean, I'm kind of asking, so am I like yeah. far off here? No, th th this is, you know, one of the objections that I have brought up to, to Molinism. And normally this feasible distinction is one of the answers that gets trotted out. One of the objections I bring up is, well, mm -hmm. how, and, and, um, uh, McGregor has actually kind of doubled down on this and it, it somewhat vindicates my objection, I think. I said, well, isn't there a possible world, right? Like, or it, isn't it possible that there is no feasible world in which every single evil act is redeemable, right? Like, like it, it seems like if you're saying, well, God can only, only actualize these feasible worlds, right? Well, isn't it possible then that there, that, that there are, so, there are some evil actions that it's not feasible for God to work together for good, right? That they just, they just are gratuitous. Yeah. Um, and, and McGregor, McGregor has basically come out and said, well, yeah. And he started arguing for, there are some evils that are just gratuitous in the, in the actual world. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think going back to, to your original, yeah. I, the, the, the question of why, why, you know, isn't the, isn't such and such or whatever negative feature we want to cover, isn't that like, why, why isn't that a feasible, why, why is that not a feasible world or why is that an unfeasible world? Yeah, I just, I mean, I, we don't have to belabor it, but I just, it's kind of odd to me. Maybe I just haven't studied it enough, but it's odd to me, like, how could God do all the work? I guess you would have to really define all to mean something different than what a Calvinist would mean, and I guess I can grant that. But how could God do all the work if he doesn't even get to decide what world these libertarian free creatures actualize? Like, he he doesn't get to decide the feasible worlds. So he just picks perhaps presumably one of the best uh, feasible worlds available to him. Yeah. So, so this is, this is an objection that, um, that I brought up and, I, and maybe this will kind of scratch your itching is 
imagine there, 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 there's two feasible worlds and they're identical in every single way possible. Mm -hmm. Um, except at some time T 10, uh, John will make decision X in one world and make decision not X in the other world. And let, and, and for stipulation, let's pretend it's an, it's an internal thing. There's no butterfly effect, right? So be leading up to T10 and leading after T10, the worlds are identical. Just T10, the action of T10 uh, is is uh, is different. Makes sense, right? So yep. both of those are feasible. Yes. Right. God decrees, predestines, actualizes one of those worlds. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it just seems that God's decree to tr to create the world where, where John chooses X is the necessary condition for John choosing. Like that, that just is the determining condition between the two ways because all other things leading up to those decisions are identical. And God has determined that he will create the world in which John does X and not not X. Right? So, so this is why I say even in Molinism, it just seems that compatibilism is 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 still unavoidable, right? Otherwise, you're going to have to go down this route of Stratton and say that in some way, you know, this you'd almost have to become this kind of weird version of a necessitarian. Yeah, like this, like incompatible, non-deterministic necessitarian, such that any other world is incoherent. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Um, as as you say, actually. Um, I just read it the other day, um, an article from Ken Persick, um, who is, I believe, a Molinist, right? And he he grants the same objection that it just seems like you have incompatibilism on for the creative decree, God creates, and then you have compatibilism, counterfactual power over God's decree. But that's what technically the classical compatibilist or the dispositional compatibilist would want to say. So is right. the Molinist tacitly conceding the power of a conditional. I mean, Bignon would seem to think so. And Ken, uh, when I read the article, it seemed like he was even leaning towards that. Uh, so Molinus understand this objection. So it's interesting. I was just kind of yeah. nodding it, about it in my head. But that create that creates a further problem, which which we've talked about, which is that well then God's God's knowledge, God's middle knowledge is of all these libertarianly free choices. So let's say in world W1 prior to creation, God has this God has this knowledge of what I would libertarianly do in this case. But a libertarian is an incompatibilist freedom. He actualizes the world. Now it becomes determined freedom, right? These determined. So like his, his, his middle knowledge of W1, if he actualizes W1, doesn't actually track on to W because once W1 is actualized, that middle That's knowledge. not a libertarianly free choice. That's a different type of free choice. I think Stratton is... Sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I, I think Stratton has an article last time I checked um, about almost a year back, and he said just because the would, God knowing what would happen, changes to God knowing what will happen, doesn't... And I quote Stratton, I, I believe, or at least strongly paraphrase. Right. He says, it doesn't magically make Sally not free. Um, and I would agree as a compatibilist, I would just say her freedom is different. <laughs> yeah. uh, her freedom is now no longer incompatibilist. Uh, how God saw it, even if I grant libertarian freedom in God's middle knowledge, 
after the weak actualization of the actual world, uh, it to me, it does not seem that Sally has incompatibilist freedom. And Calvinists are not the only ones with this argument. Open theists for decades. William Hasker is the number one argument, argumenter, interlocutor in the debate, advancing this argument. Uh, it does not seem that they have incompatibilist freedom anymore. Which right. Is why he's an open theist. <laughs> right. Which, which is, which is, but that, but that's the, that's my point though, is that yeah. in the middle knowledge, it's this action that has this qualia of being libertarianly an incompatibilist freedom action. But when it's actualized in the real world, it doesn't have that same attribute. It's actually a different kind of action. Right. So yeah. even if the, even if the choice is there, even if the outcome is there, it, it's this, it has a different qualia to it. It has, it's a, it's actually a different thing. And so God's, prior knowledge of this action isn't even of the same thing right it's 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 fundamentally different right god's actualizing of it has actually changed the thing but then that means that it's changed the object of the thing that god knew previously so they don't map onto each other so it creates this weird metaphysical disconnect between the 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 what's known and the thing that's known yeah i like it i don't know we can move on but Anyone who is saved is saved solely and completely through the application of the work of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay. What about the lots? Are they? Is, is there? Is there just no position they can be put in where they would freely choose Christ? And um, is that based on? Yeah. The no, I, I would say I'm not sure about that. And we've drifted into soteriological matters. That's not the topic of tonight's debate. And I made that clear. Um, I can grant all five points of Calvinism for tonight's debate because there is no contradiction with, with what I have argued in my opening statement. In my opening statement, I made it clear what I meant by that. That's human, human sometimes, even if it's just Christians, even if it's Adam, if there's ever a libertarian free choice anywhere, ever in the history of creation, and God knew it prior to the foundations of the world, prior to his decree, then you've got some flavor of Molinism. Okay, then why did you come up with Trump? That's a different thing. Uh, can you pause? No, I don't know why you did that. I mean, talk about it. Yep. Uh, just real quick, I don't know if I would grant that. He says that they're compatible, that he can grant Tulip. I don't think he can. And the reason is, is because let's just take one of them. Let's just take the I, for example. So before, let's just say um, Sally had libertarian freedom to choose socks uh, right before she was saved. Okay, so she chose socks. So for, according to Stratton, she is libertarianly free, um, but she is determined to do everything else. Okay, well, according to Stratton, he could grant, as far as I'm reading him correctly in all of his work, he could grant that physical actions and therefore moral responsibility could be compatible with determinism. So let's just say Sally is determined for everything else, but not choosing a pair of socks. And she has libertarian incompatibilist indeterminist freedom based off of that. The question though is when Stratton says, no, but rational freedom is always incompatible with determinism. Okay, so if you can affirm TULIP, just for the sake of debate, because somehow you you think that they're compatible. In the I, if Sally was, let's just say at some later time, determined irresistibly to believe in Christ, that requires cognitive deliberation processes. Were those processes determined? If you say yes, and yet she's still free and responsible, you have just surrendered the incompatibilist project. Right. You just conceded compatibilism. And because it's a principal position, as you always say, Bella, then that means it's exhaustive. 
compatibilism is true. Uh, however, if you say no, she's not free and responsible, even though she was determined to believe in Christ, then what reformer, what Calvinist would ever grant that? No Calvinist would grant that. So okay. in that case, no, it's not compatible. So your idea of tulip strand is not compatible with the reformer's idea of tulip. So that, and that's just one. I just used the I, but I think you can apply it all the way down to tulip. So no, they're not compatible. And you cannot just say that I can be reformer and I can hold to mere Molinism and be a tuliper. It doesn't work. That's right. Well, I mean, and and I mean, you could you could use the P, right? You could say, well, it it it, it just doesn't follow, right? That um, that we persevere to the end in genuine faith, right? Because because genuine faith uh, in in the Reformed tradition, that right that that is going to be a a, a genuine choice a genuine action that i freely partake of mm -hmm. right but p also is that god causes me to persevere in the faith mm -hmm. so it's compatibilism <laughs> it's just compact right you 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 cannot if you cannot say that 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 incompatibilism is true that libertarianism is true and that perseverance of the saints is true because you, you you would you would just say in principle the thing that connects those two things in 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 classic Calvinist thought about the P, the the, the glue that puts those two things together is false because you can't actually glue those two things together. You can't have God causally determining something, and it be a an, an actually free thing that I'm doing. Yeah, because it would be sufficient. Right, That's something that Stratton would deny. Right. So I mean, we we like you can use the P, you can use the I. I think you can go down the whole list. I haven't thought about the whole list that much. You I might just be able to do the T, I guess. Yeah, but I just to me, I just think it's it's very obvious, at least for the I, that no, they're not compatible. And so what? I guess you can be a three pointer, which I mean, are you even Calvinist if that's the case? Right. Uh, you can't have the P, you can't have the I. All right, but you can affirm mere Molinism and affirm T, U, and what L. I'm not. I'm not even sure you could get you because then, I, I I'm not sure how you could get away with with uh, election on Molinism being being unconditional because it just seems like it would be based on prescience. Yeah. So I guess that makes two. So that's even worse. So yeah. not looking too good here, Stratton. <laughs> yeah. I just don't see how they're compatible. I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah. And so if you'd like to read about that, it's in the, the Mere Molinism Study Guide. Uh, we got that which, which includes resistible grace resistible amazing by the way and i love stratton am i the only one that thinks it's weird that there's a study guide for the book no i completely was about to say it dude and it's just like how could you have a study guide all right to be honest for this debate it doesn't seem like you need one yeah, him and orthodox fox tim tim fox is the author of that book i am not going to buy it and here's why it is weird <laughs> uh, and secondly, it will do nothing for me to, I think it's mainly for the church layman. And he actually says that in the preface. So you can look at the preface on like Amazon, uh, the lookup button, and you can look of why he wrote the study guide. He mainly wrote the book and the study guide for laymen. So I don't consider my, myself a layman in the area. So I don't need to buy the study guide. I wouldn't encourage anyone to buy the book in the first place. 
but <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, do, I do think it's weird. I'm out of place. Well, you're going to need it because basically it's just reasserting omniscience if this debate is pictorial of anything. Do you believe in omniscience? Well, then you need the study guide. You really need to get that down. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta get. I mean, it'd just be it'd be so weird. Like if Binyam was like, get 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 my book. You know, blame God. Excuse me, sinners, blaming God, and get the study guide for it too. I, I mean, I want to be fair, but I also want to be like brutally honest. I really don't. I think maybe he's just trying to do free marketing for himself at this point. I know William Lane Craig has done something similar to the past, and that's like his idol. Um, so maybe he wants to follow in those footsteps. Frank Turek. Uh, I heard I was, this may not be true. Oh, I finished your thought. Then also. I was just going to say Frank Turek and Geisler. Uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, right? I think it was Geisler. Um, they don't, they have that study guide too. So it's similar, but that actually makes sense. But those are like, like, those are like evangelical things you're walking. Yeah. Through. Like that's you like, like okay, classical. you're trying to understand, evangelize and trying to get it down. Even if you don't agree with the classical approach, that would make sense to have a study guide. But like something like this, like what, what's his, what's his questions for his historical section? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like half the book. It's like the historical. Yeah, it's anyway. about like almost 40%, I think 35, 40%. All right. Great, but let me tell you, for the sake of tonight's topic, is that's not under the scope of debate. So for the topic of tonight, Dr. White, okay. I will grant you your soteriology. I will grant you all. Remember, back all the way back to the other one. Stratton opened the door to soteriology. You open the door, White's allowed to walk through yeah. normal debate protocols. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to do that, and I, I, I deny the fact that Molinism could be separated from soteriology because the man who designed it, designed it to be soteriological. Well, okay, so here's, here's a good point. Molina actually got his uh, ideas from others. Molina was the first one to make clear distinctions and use the word, the words middle knowledge. But these go all the way, the idea of middle knowledge goes all the way back to the AD 300s, to the time of Augustine. Kurt, Dr. Kurt Jarris has recently written on this. Pause. Has anybody read the thing by Kurt Jarris, just per chance? I haven't. So I'm not. Uh, I've talked to him a little bit. I haven't, I haven't read much of his work. Um, I'll say my I'll say my thought. What do you What do you want to say about it? Oh no, I was just wondering what was the argument because to me it was like you know it's an interesting claim, but I haven't paid attention to it. Yeah. So the in in debate um, again, Stratton's new, um, but this this is this is kind of poor decorum um, to to bring in. It's kind of like a facts, not an evidence type of claim. Um, you can't just be like, "Well, I can win because this other person has argued this other thing somewhere else," and and we're not gonna have time to fact check it. So, um, I, I don't know. Maybe Jarris has had some type of groundbreaking historical theological type of thing where did I, I, he said from the time of Augustine? I mean, is the claim really that Augustine like invented middle knowledge? Oh. That'd be. I mean, that's oh. that's. That would be rich, dude. That would be. I'm not saying it's not true because I haven't read the research, but that would be a. That would be a bombshell. The doctor, I have doctor. read the research, and I I know for a fact reading Augustine, late Augustine specifically, there's no way that man is a Molinist. But I don't think that Stratton is actually trying to say that. Or at least even like the dialectic through history, it doesn't seem like Molinism really pops up. 
at least that early. No. It'd be weird to think no. that that was just floating around. Nobody ever talked about it till Molina put the categories together. Yeah. And I always get uh, super skeptical when um, I just get super skeptical when historical theology is starting to be used um, because I've, I've just found so, so, so many times when, when people who, who haven't actually studied it, what ends up happening is these ancient authors say terms that I mean this other thing by, and so therefore they must mean the same thing that I mean it by. Um, yeah. Or, or the, the, they're, they're using these, they're using this biblical language. And since I interpret the Bible to mean this thing, they must mean that exact same thing too. Uh, and it just gets wonky. Yeah. Like the, the way patristics is done, like there's like those terrible books that just assume like, Oh, look, they believed everything we believe. Here's the correlation in terms. It's perfectly the same thing. No conceptual difference. I'm not going to argue it from many of the, the works or historical contexts in which they lived. I'm just going to say, look, they use the same words as I see in the Bible, and this is my interpretation of those words. Yeah. Yeah. But remember, also, there's a lot of groundbreaking research done recently, especially, you know, remember they just proved uh, Pelagianism was like a, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, they proved Augustine, you know, got, got every, everything he knew from the, the Manichaeans. Dr. Jarrett, you can read more about this at veracityhill.com. But these ideas go back to the time of Augustine, way before um, Molina lived. So this isn't uh, Molina's attempt to destroy the Reformation. No, this goes all yes. the way back. So Molina was not trying to destroy the Reformation. Although, I'll tell you this: I can re I can reject everything. He I was a Jesuit, right? Yeah, I, I reject a whole lot of stuff that you said. By the way, this is terrible argumentation from White. Oh this yeah, we. I figured we should have mentioned we didn't talk about it because we've already talked about it, even though some things we have mentioned multiple times. But yeah, the argument's yeah. trash. I was never yeah. a fan of historical arguments. I don't know why White is going this route, honestly. I don't he, ran, he ran out of philosophical arguments. Yeah, this this is just this, this is this is about as bad. I mean, this is about as bad of argument. I mean, this is this is like if he was debating if he was debating a Unitarian. And then they're like, well, you know, the, the Catholics like burned witches, right? <laughs> and you guys all believe in the Trinity. So, so are you saying you, you, you know, you're, you're for burning witches? Like, it's just not a good, not a good argument. That's when you bite the bullet. You say, yes, yes, <laughs> burn them all. Uh, no, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, not a good. Let's argument. go back to John six. What happened to that? We broke the system. <laughs> John six. I'm just saying, hey, you got at least two things right. Yeah, Stratton's that, that this is a good rebuttal from Stratton, right? Like, look, we there 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 are all kinds of views. Like we we can look at we can look at Roman Catholics in the past and they can, you know, they, they did some of the best work on the Trinity. They did some of the best work on, you yep. know, some of the best work on classical theism. Are we gonna look at them and say because they held these other views, some of them anti-Protestant? Um, they're therefore like it's just yeah. So Stratton on this case, Stratton hands down. Uh, you know th this this part of the debate, Stratton is is for this question at least challenge. He's 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 absolutely right. Yeah, I agree. The key issue regarding libertarian freedom is in regards to this issue of the salvation of man, is it not? So how can we no. separate it out? No, look, I, we should do another discussion. You brought up Ephesians one. What's Ephesians one about? That God predestines all things. The beginning yeah. of it is in Christ, adoption, salvation, forgiveness of sin, right? Uh, yes, I, I'm saying that. And look, I affirm predestin, uh, predestination. Of, I, do you affirm double predestination? Oh, yeah. Because I do. I do. I, I, I affirm predestination of all things. Name one. 
One thing that I don't think is predestined. Okay. This was the time that I said we would. All right. Yeah, and, and, and this is where I, I think all of us have said we would push back and be like, okay, well, Stratton, then you, you need to give a conceptual difference between determinism and and everything yeah else. so this is i keep the more i think about it the more i'm almost positive his conceptual difference is this that he thinks predestination is a contingent necessity or a conditional necessity and then determinism underneath the calvinist is an absolute necessity so in other words you can still have agency with predestination and then he sneaks in libertarian freedom but with regards to this absolute necessity that he claims is Calvinism, there's no agency whatsoever. Just God externally causes you to do what? And that's why he has the puppets on his slide at the beginning of his uh, uh, opening speech, which like almost made me throw up. So honestly, I think that's the distinction he would give, but that's not at all true. Uh, that's not at all what the distinction is. If that's the case, then yeah, I would agree with Vela and I would say there is no conceptual difference. Why? Because Calvinists for centuries have held conditional necessity for centuries, centuries. So, and I believe he actually brought it up with regards to Luther in his book, but he doesn't touch on it. And then he just goes to his philosophical chapter and starts dropping, well, causally determined, external to you, causally determined, external to you. So therefore, blah, 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 you don't have rational accessibility no knowledge it's just ridiculous funky baselines and robots <laughs> all right so um i would like to point out that if god knew let's just say if god knew what hitler would do if he created him given middle knowledge uh and left him free and placed him in those very circumstances so he guaranteed and predestined the holocaust underneath those same intuitions if there's no conceptual difference and this is welty's argument between the calvinist there and the monist then how is it good that god would be considered still supremely righteous and loving now of course the calvinist is going to deny that because we have resources to do it all we're saying is hey monist come on we have the resources right. <laughs> uh, jo join the club right and yet, you know, they're not, they're just battling against us like the open theist does as if they're left unscathed. It's not true. Yeah. It's, not true. It, it, it's like the same thing. I mean, they, they, they can come with, you know, puppets and robots and all that kind of stuff. Well, we can look at it and be like, okay, well then, then your concept is the same thing as God taking a junkie, putting him in a room full of, of all the temptations and needles and heroin and all the things that trigger them and all the stressors and everything like that, knowing that infallibly or, or, or unavoidably that will cause them the circumstances they will they will choose, but they're free to choose. And then that and then that person saying that they're they, you know they yeah. they they didn't bring it about uh, you know um, so you, we can all come up with these 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 caricatures of how to describe the the other view. So well, right. to be fair, to one more thing, he only weakly actualized the, the situation with the junk. So therefore, it's completely different than that stupid causal thing, the stupid determinist belief. Clearly. Conditions are still the same. Condition, yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, so we're at a little over an hour. I, I think that um, maybe we'll come back and do another one. I, I think through this one we found it, it's largely just redundant of the same issues that we see over and over again. 
Um, we'll put our heads together and decide if we want to do part uh, part four and continue on the next round of, of sure. Q&A if there's anything that, that comes up in it. Um, you all have any thoughts? No. No. Oh, but, uh, or at I least hope, I forgot them. Well, I do hope, though, is when if Stratton does another debate, which I think he's going to soon, um, I hope he does learn. And he's pretty adamant that he learned a lot from the cross-ex, and he even admits that he lost the cross-ex portion, but he wants to say that he won the debate because of the opening statement. I mean, I guess, I don't know, I'm not going to say anything about that. But I just hope with his next debate he learns a lot of the stuff from his critics his brothers in christ like we like we are uh, and i hope he takes a lot of it to heart same thing with white um i hope that he actually gets on the level of his interlocutor he they were largely talking past each other because white was more concerned with his same old arguments that a lot of people have already corrected him on he should have just stuck with the biblical text which is what he was good at and then stratton should have you know, stuck also with the biblical text, but since he didn't, White being the next position should have followed him there and should have known a little bit more about the, uh, just to kind of steer him back. But he didn't, so that's why they're always like, and that was really unfortunate. So I hope both parties learn a lot from yeah. it. Yeah, uh, again, I, I, I've seen White do some really, really, you know, just run a clinic on debates, um, but for some reason, his interactions with Molinism, I, it's, it you know the the white the white dialogue was not good for or, you know the or sorry the, the Craig dialogue was not good for white. Mm -hmm. Um uh, you know, I, I watched some of the after show comments, even even his after show comments where he's trying to explain some of these things and like, oh, you're still not quite getting it. Um, you know, it's still it's still struggle. So I think this is a challenging um even you know, I'm not gonna say he doesn't understand it or anything like that. I think he I think he understands what his arguments are, uh, but just for some reason, this this topic seems to tactically and strategically trip him up on how to communicate his points and engage and and, and make some strong blows. Uh, he he, I I don't think he's kind of figured out the strategy for how to you know how to wrestle this particular cat, um, and and he really does need to figure that out. It seems to me like uh, I'll be a little more bolder. So I, I'm I'm more pessimistic than than Colton. Because I don't think this is going to change anybody. <laughs> On the other hand, Tyler, I think this is uh, it's been a steady decline for James White for the last few years. So uh, I don't think it starts with this debate. Uh, I think it goes back a few debates, and maybe it's just age or something. But I think we're, you know, once comes the rise, there's always a fall. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I'm not a White fan or anything. I don't want. I, you know, I don't. I don't ever listen to the. Is it the dividing line? Is that yeah, I don't know. He has like a he has like a radio one, and a YouTube and Omega one. Uh, yeah. and and uh, Alpha Omega dividing line and Radio Free Geneva. I, I I don't know. I can't. Give up. I don't. I don't really. Listen it's all to it's all the dividing line, and then there's some little segments in the show where he's driving around his little RV and talks about you know something. It's. It, is bike races. I don't know. Um, so I watch. I I think uh, before before the 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 Craig. Uh, conversation. I think the last thing I saw, but he did well. He, I mean, he wiped the floor with flowers, and that was, I think, the last thing I saw uh, of of his. So he did well in that one because he actually executed the passages. Yeah, but that's an easy W. Got to got to do better. Got to get better to opponents. I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. 
Uh, all right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Appreciate you both. Uh, and we will, I, I'm sure I'll have you back on again. Um, uh, maybe not for this one, but we will, we'll, we'll see. Um, but definitely have you back on. Thank you again so much for, for joining and, uh, and we'll see you all soon. Good night. God bless. God bless. God bless.